open enrollment to become Surge Strength Dryland Certified is going on right now, but only for a limited time. Stop being frustrated and wasting time with little or no results with your dryland training. Learn how you can quickly and effectively create a dryland program that gets you results. Visit SurgeStrength.com slash certification to enroll now to become SSDC before it's too late. Now, let's join your host of the Surge Strength Podcast, Chris Ritter. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Surge Strength Podcast. Hope you're doing well. All right, less than two full days. By the time you're listening, this is probably about a day and a half left for you to join all the other coaches and swimmers that have already taken the step. They've made an investment in themselves. They've made a commitment to increase their dry land knowledge and confidence by enrolling to become SSDC, Surge Strength Dryland Certified. You can do that by clicking on the link in the show notes, surgestrength.com slash certification. Learn all about it, but you got to make a decision quick because doors are going to be closing tomorrow night, Thursday, uh, April 29th after midnight Pacific time. And then that is it. That's going to be your last chance to become SSDC after Thursday night at midnight. So don't miss out. One coach that has already taken that first step, even though he's not all the way through and being able to put those SSDC credentials behind his name, he's getting close. It's Peter Hugh Drukas, and he is out in a small island that I frankly did not even know existed until he signed up. That shows my ignorance there on that. But he is out in an island, uh, Gunnersea, and it is out in between France and the UK. And Peter is awesome in terms of the perspective that he brings about how the SSDC has helped him when it comes to dryland. Here's what he has to say. He says, don't be shy about enrolling to become SSDC. There's an abundance of knowledge in the SSDC that will make you feel more grounded and comfortable in delivering something like dryland to your team and putting it together. And that can be the overwhelming part sometimes. How do all the puzzle pieces fit together with what you're doing in the water, what you're doing on land? How many times a week are you able to do dryland? Is it before or after swimming? There are all these variables. We help you sort through those when you become SSDC. We give you a process, a checklist to go through so you have a repeatable process, but at the same time, we show you how you can adapt it to your different situation. Because from doing this for so many years now, I understand that especially at the club level in particular, there are so many different variables from one team to the next. Equipment, space that they have, schedule. And so there's definitely not a one size fits all solution when it comes to dry land training. There are common things you need to have in your program where we break it all down for you in the curriculum for you to become SSDC. So I hope you'll join all the other coaches and swimmers that have enrolled so far in the Surge Strength Academy to earn those SSDC credentials. Don't wait another day. Doors are gonna be closing very soon. Again, surgestrength.com slash certification. I hope you'll join Peter and all the other coaches. Let's jump on in with our conversation with Peter. Dryland Talk. Peter, talk to me about the decision process of you enrolling to become Surge Strength Dryland Certified. What what kind of spurred you on to reach out and, and enroll in a course like that? I mean, I... I value gaining anyone else's knowledge within, say, any of my fields, to be honest, because uh, I can I can happily sit by myself and read a book. But honestly, I think 
you, you've got such an opportunity these days to amass as much knowledge as possible from people out there. Um, your course, I just happened to last lockdown come across your website. Um, I think I started um, just watching the six videos that you put out around. Oh yeah, uh, when we lockdown. did the free course, the yeah. yeah, when when the whole lockdown was happening and we were just doing some free webinars on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was it was also like really simple stuff of like mobility just to keep them like going in case lockdown was only say two or three weeks right. rather than say <laughs> ten weeks or something like that. Um, but I, I very much like what stuck in my mind then was very much. Um, how they could do a lot wrong in that time if they went mm. about just going into a lot of land work yeah. when they're not they're not necessarily built for that, especially if they don't have any prior experience to it. Um, and then just from following that, to be honest, um, I I very much like over the summer got into the habit of the only cardio I could really do was get out on my bike, but I was very much listening to some of your podcasts on my bike. And after that, then uh, obviously followed you on Instagram, and then suddenly your qualifications started to uh, come about and. I didn't really have to think twice, to be honest. I just paid for it myself and decided to go into it. That's awesome. So where are you in the course? Have you finished all the way through? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, oh. I am within the exercises. I think I'm on the push at the minute and just making my way through that. Um, during during term time, it's very hard to find the time to get back to the course. So I've made use of my holidays. And now that we're back into lockdown, actually, my workload's eased off a tiny bit because I'm not in school the entire time. So I'm finding little moments during the day where I can keep chipping away at it. At it. Well, and that's the great part of it being a self-paced course, you know, like stuff yeah. comes up. All right. But then when you get more free time, you can go a little bit faster. Is there been anything that's been really enlightening so far or reassuring to what you've been already doing? Um, I'm trying to think of where I'm actually up to on the course. To be honest. <laughs> no um, Cause some of, some of the bit I did was back in October. Some of it's been, um, in the last couple of weeks, but definitely the last couple of weeks has been very much exercises. Um, I do very, I do very much value your breakdown. I, I know in the last couple of years before I've seen, say some of your content, I've tried to build the same thing as you leveling mm. exercises. And I think, I think in one of your um, videos, you mentioned that at some point you had like levels one to seven or one to six. Yeah. It was a lot. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it's so easy to do it as well because you can see the progressions for it, but very much. Um, yeah. You're right. in trying to keep it simple by just having levels one, two and three. Um, I can't, honestly, I can't think of anything that's uh, jogging my mind at the minute. No, that, that's a great point though. Just Peter about the levels. And I remember, yeah, when I first started many, many years ago, starting to think about those buckets. And I wonder if it's just as you become more experienced, you're almost needing less guardrails and then it's almost yeah. easier to simplify it. And I can understand how newer beginners, they want more levels, but I feel like as a coach, some of the best sessions I've done, I remembered is I didn't have an overly complicated plan to follow because when that happens, now I'm, now I'm looking at the plan the whole time. Right. And I'm not scanning the room. Yeah. I'm not being able to coach and work on cues. And so I think it's that balance that coaches have to find to make, all right, I have a good enough plan and workout written, but then I'm not being tied to that. I'm very similar to on deck coaching. I remember some of my best practices I would run as a swim coach were not overly detailed, not overly complicated. So the kids got it. And then we can kind of get into it. Yeah. I think um, one point that you just made there, I think very much if you keep it simple with, like you say, three buckets, just with ones that you're going to constantly go back to. And yeah. ones that you, I think that the best thing of that is you can gauge how your swimmers are doing. Because if you start to have seven different exercises of progressions to say one thing, and you keep swapping it every week, every session, <laughs> 
how can you actually gauge whether they're actually doing it correctly? Yeah. The technique could be good on the first day, but then it's made too complicated. Then, then you make it even more complicated and suddenly the technique's gone. So really making it as simple as possible and gauging their technique and their competency of it from that point is probably the simplest thing you can do. Yeah, that, that touches on something that I've really been thinking about actively in trying to figure out a way to better quantify or assess results in dryland. How do yeah. you do that right now with your program? Um, I mean, specifically right now, I don't because we're, we're locked down. Uh, if, if it were full season, normal season, which is now like a year and a half ago, trying to think back to it. But honestly, I think it's just communicating, like actually communicating with the swimmers and seeing how they're feeling in certain situations. Yeah. I, I think overall, if they're not getting injured and maybe the coach has said that they're starting to look stronger in the water, then I'm kind of happy with that. Um, I don't have anything physical in terms of testing them that way. Although I do like your plank test of two and a half minutes because yeah, that, that, that's with, a tough one <laughs> with no disrespect to my club. They are terrible at it. <laughs> can anybody um, pass it yet, Peter? Uh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I remember, you know, sometimes the first time I show a group that and they're like, okay, yeah. At, when I get to the minute or minute and a half mark, they're thinking, okay, but then when we get all, it hasn't even started yet. You got to get to two yeah. and a half minutes. And I think that's really a good defining line because you think about if you can only narrow it down to just a few things you want to get out of dry land, the, the core strength and connection has to be near the top. And like you said, to be able to just quickly do a, an, a test and assessment like that and see wow, a lot of my group is extremely poor at this. And that's okay yeah. because you need to learn where to meet your athletes to, to get at their level. No, I, that's, a, that's an excellent point as well. Because to be honest, if you can't test the baseline, you don't really know where you're going with it. And so I, I think I said before, like the assessments part is definitely something that I'm interested in. Just to, set, just to potentially at the beginning of a season or, let, or maybe halfway through a season, you can potentially implement some assessments so that you know where you're starting again. Yeah. Or maybe you pick, or maybe you pick up on something that you haven't noticed during the session, and then suddenly you can be more specific towards an athlete in that sense. Yeah, I think at a bare minimum, even being able to do like a, a preseason, postseason test of yeah. you know, like all right, how can you do the bridge test? How many pull ups? But I, I'm continually trying to think of like better ways to help make that connection of if athletes can see progress, the more they can see progress, the more they'll get excited, the more they'll buy in, the more the yeah. coaches are excited about. It. And then you get, you know, a very positive snowball effect from that. But I've just recently been spending a lot of time trying to think about, I know we can even have better ways to assess a program because I know, I, I know I'm like you a lot of the time, I, I don't have a real assessment or I'm not really like <laughs> diligent in planning that out. And I don't think, I, I don't think that's uncommon for most dryland coaches that are running a program. The planning of it can take a lot of time as well, because I find if I if I've say come across a new exercise, whether it be from you or some other source, say on Instagram, I very much like to test it on myself first in the gym. So I'll add it into my gym session when I first see it and try and see where it would relate and if it would be useful for swimming. Some some of them haven't panned out and some of them maybe I just keep for myself. But other ones I just start to drip feed it in and see how they cope with it. I know that at some points I've definitely gone too far with that and I've put something in and no one can accomplish it during the session. So I know that I've overset the boundary with that. Mm. No, that's a great point, Peter. It, tell me if I'm, uh, if we achieved our goal in this. So one of the things I was actually thinking about as I was putting together this course is that exact instance where you're scrolling through 
and you see a new exercise on Instagram, YouTube, or whatever, because there's millions of them, right? This is where yeah. the overwhelm can come from. And my hope was that after going through the surge strength drown certification, you would have a, a grid, a map to work from, so to speak, that then you could see, okay, I see where that exercise, I, it fits right here. Whereas if you don't have a system to work from, who knows where you're putting the exercise? And, and maybe you, yeah. you think, oh, let's just do it today because I saw it on Instagram today. Did, did we accomplish our goal in helping you kind of figure out a way to, to put those exercises into buckets? I think so. I think I think uh, one of the first things that I learned from you, whether it be on this course or from a different video, was definitely the ratios. Mm. The ratios of, say, a two to one for hinge to squat mm -hmm. or for put from pull to push. Mm -hmm. I think those are probably the most important thing that I learned very early on. I think those can really define what your session is going to be like. And also, so I, I, I do wonder sometimes with, say, some of the individuals that I coach, it, I don't stress too much if I'm not able to accomplish those ratios during one session. But if I can accomplish those ratios over a week, yes. then I'm happy with mm -hmm. what they're doing. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good timeline because I know some coaches almost like nervously obsess about, oh, this one session. But I think a, between one session and a week is probably the best kind of range yeah. to check yourself. I don't think it should go more than a week. But if you don't hit it in that session, that's okay. Use the next session to kind of catch up. And by the yeah. end of that week, like you said, I think that's a great way to land and, and not then it gives you probably a little bit more freedom in individual workouts because you're not stressing, oh no, I'm over on this exercise. Yeah, exactly. I agree. No, that's awesome. Peter, what would you say to a coach that's thinking about enrolling to become SSDC? Um, if a, a swim coach, I would say, don't be shy about it. Don't be worried about it. There's an abundance of knowledge in here, which will feel, make you feel more grounded and more knowledgeable. Um, you'll feel a lot more competent in being able to deliver something like this and put it together. Um, if, if you're a swim coach that has the ability to, or has someone that can potentially go down this side and do it, maybe enroll them on it, to be honest. I mean, that's, that's where I've come out. I'm not a swim coach. I'm an active swimmer, but I very much like that this is my niche within mm. my club. No, that's awesome. And the fact that you're not even through it all the way and you've still gained so much value. So it's not like, you know, the, yeah. the value starts when you finish it all, but hopefully from the very first few modules, you're starting to pick up ideas that you can slowly implement, especially if you're coming from a, a knowledge base of zero, you know, to, yeah. to be able to kind of not get overwhelmed with all the information that's out there. No, and like you say, as soon as you've gained some form of knowledge, whether it be the first video, the 10th or the 100th, you're going to apply it on the go. You're not going to wait until you finish the course to apply that knowledge. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Peter, do you have a success story about Dryland in particular that you could share with our audience as we're wrapping up here? Um, I think the, the person that I've trained the closest is actually my best friend. And he's the swimmer that I mentioned before who has made Commonwealth Games four times. Mm -hmm. Um I, so I've been training him individually since I qualified. And to be honest, to see his, not not just his progression, but his longevity in sport. So he's 33, going to be 33 next week, I think. And um, so the, the best um, formula that we put in place for him um, was in, in his run up to the last uh, Commonwealth Games, where he was setting lifetime best at the age of 30. And was very close to making the 50 back final as well. Oh, wow. Um, so uh, that's probably my practice. 
as his best friend, I'm proud of him anyway, but that's probably my proudest in, in terms of the amount of work that him and I put into his yeah. program and setting everything out carefully and constantly having that dialogue back and forth. I think that's probably the proudest one I am, but then I'm slightly biased towards my best friend as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think dryland is one of the bigger secret ingredients in the longevity of the sport, you know, not only in terms of keeping injuries at bay, but keeping yeah. the muscles in a function as, as they, as the athlete ages to be able to not only produce the force, but then also recover between sessions too. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Peter, any other closing thoughts as we wrap the podcast up here? No, honestly, um, it's just really, really a pleasure to sit down with someone who has the same passion as me, to be honest. That's awesome. That's what we're trying to do with this podcast. Connect dry land enthusiasts, whether you're starting from zero, whether you're all the way, you know, PhD level. So Peter, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll check back in when the season starts up, whenever that is competition. And, and we'll hear how your swimmers are doing. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Chris. Open enrollment to become CERD Strength Dryland Certified is going on right now. Don't miss out because this is only for a limited time. Learn more about becoming SSDC at surdstrength.com slash certification and join hundreds of coaches and swimmers from dozens of countries around the world that are making a commitment to having Dryland become a true strength of their program.